when you're all in on something and you lose, that's heartbreaking because we always want to say, you know, I I could have I could have done it if I just would have put a little more in there. But you've got to embrace the fact that I'm all in on this. I gave you all I got. But I think that that mindset for the great ones, I remember going to San Francisco with Alex Smith. We went down to Candlestick for a fan fest, something in the offseason to sell tickets. He was getting booed during Pat and Go. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this, is, this is a little rough. You know, and yet he had a great ability to become tone deaf and tune that out. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all-pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins, to actionable mental skills strategies, and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket, Jake and Grant sit down with NFL offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Jeep Christ to discuss the mental game and how to redefine success to get the most out of quarterbacks. With 30 years of coaching under Coach Christ's belt, one thing he lives by is meeting his athletes where they're at and building confidence off of their strengths to better position them to handle pressure. ReadyList Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyList are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with my host, or my co-host, Jake the Snake Plumber, and myself, Grant Parr. And we're really excited to bring incredible interviews to talk about the mental game with quarterbacks and quarterback coaches. So I'll throw it over to my uh, co-host here, Jake, and you can take over. Yeah, thank you, Grant. It's exciting. We've uh, we just started this podcast, and we're going to see where it goes, try to give uh, the listeners out there and coaches, players, even just fans of the game, a, a spin on kind of what it takes to be a quarterback with all eyes on you in the pocket and then also out of the pocket just some things that may come up, uh, current events or issues in the game, or even just how I approach things, how Grant, how you approach things. And then also the, the beauty of this is having guests, uh, you know, guests like our guests today get me real excited because um, I learned a lot from this guy. Uh, he taught me that it's okay to be who you are, both in and out of the pocket and <laughs> in and out of professional life and personal life. He encouraged me to live my life. And I'll never forget when he said something that he prefaced with, this is sacrilegious to say this, <laughs> but in this realm, I don't coach to win Super Bowls. I coach because I love what I do. And he told me that. And when he said that, it really, it really sank in that I'm being coached by a real special person that not only 
is still part of my life and always will be, but taught me so much as a young rookie in the NFL. And that's none other than Jeep Christ, uh, who's coached now for 25, 26 years in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to bring him in now. Jeep, welcome to In and Out of the Pocket with Jake and Grant. Hey, J.K. Grant, it's an honor for me to be here, and I can't wait to start uh, talking like we always do, Jake. We don't know where these <laughs> conversations go, but uh, we're fortunate to have each other, and I really look forward to spending some time here today. You know, the only sad thing is, you know, we're, we're kind of limited to this to 30 minutes when we probably could talk for <laughs> three, four hours, and it would be highly entertaining. The listeners don't know how entertaining, but these 30 minutes will make the most of it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and start it off with a question just because I know, I know you, I know you well. We both have been in the heat of, heat of the moment. We've kept in contact uh, off and on throughout, you know, your career and my post-career. But I want to take it back to your dad being a huge influence to you in your life, in all aspects. What are some of the key, you know, key tenets in life and lessons that he taught you as a youngster? And he was a coach also and, and an amazing coach and player. What are some of those that you've car carried on both on and off the field throughout your you know, professional and personal life? Well, Jake, that's a great first question. My dad uh, played at the University of Wisconsin. He was also on an ROTC scholarship back in the 50s, which meant that he went and served uh, for the 3rd Armored Division uh, six months after Elvis Presley served in the 3rd Armored Division. Wow. And then he just loved football. So our love of football starts early. I think that's one thing that we maybe are watching a game on TV, a Rose Bowl or a Super Bowl. And then we love going out in the backyard and throwing it around. And then someone along the way, uh, you know, is influenced by maybe a coach or a, or a fellow teammate that says, hey, you know, this is what you have to do to get better at the sport. And then you get good at the sport, like you were at Boise Capital. And you say yes. to yourself, you know, not only is this fun to just participate, which is where you go from, it's really fun to win the game and to make a contribution to winning. And that's really what happened. Uh, growing up, we would go to the University of Wisconsin football games because my dad was an assistant there. And then he became his own head coach, which had a lot less people in the stands, but probably uh, – I was rooting for him because it kind of felt like it was his responsibility to win. And so all that anxiety before a game, all that exhilaration during the game, and then that satisfaction after the game. And, you know, when we were done playing the sport, I just felt like I was not done with football. And I was real fortunate to see really good players. And I knew that if you could take a good player and believe in him, I think that's the one thing that we don't talk enough about. Uh, if a person knows that that coach – deep down to the core, believes in them, they'll go out there and make plays and do some things. And that was reinforced when Andy Reid, you know, said some great things wow. about Mahomes. We see the physical talent, but what does Andy say? He loves how he sees the field. And what did Patrick Mahomes say? I know he's believing in me and he lets me play. And I think those are really good tenants. And, you know, the, the downside to that philosophy is Steve Kerr is just as good a coach this year as he has the last five. <laughs> they yeah. don't have a very good team. Uh, so you are at the whim of the talent that you have on the team. But I don't think that that takes away from the joy of the game and the preparation for the game and what you really get into it in the first place. And I think that's – we talk about performance enhancement. Sometimes that's a negative performance enhancing drugs. I think the greatest performance enhancer is someone believing in you and you know deep down. And now instead of thinking out I'm in front of 100 million people in a Super Bowl or 50 million people in front of a Rose Bowl, or 10,000 people in front of a high school game, I can go out there and play because this coach believes and I don't have to be anyone other than who I am. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, Coach, what brings up for me is, uh, 
you know, when you're coaching athletes, I've, I've been on that side as well. It's, it's when you do believe in them, but you're coaching the heart of the athlete. <laughs> and when the athlete knows that you're connected to their heart, man, it's just, there, there's so much confidence and so much freedom that you feel when you're on the play when you're on the field leading. You're exactly right, Grant. I think that's the thing that unlocks a person's best potential. And again, I think that that then becomes something that you can uh, carry over to coaching a girls basketball team like Kobe was or coaching uh, a baseball team because that's what your uh, the skill level and the interest of your kids are or 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 be dancing as uh, as, yeah, as, be, as Jake knows whatever your passion dancing. is yeah, man. <laughs> and it's a great way it's a great way to connect now I'm connected on a different level than just I want you to do well it's more like I can help you do better and I think that's what unlocks not just the performance because sometimes it's frustrating when we can't control the outcome but what we can control is the relationships. And now here we are 25 years later and we're still having those great relationships. It, it's a, it's a good point you make. And, and this whole thing, getting someone to believe in you. Um, I know there were multiple times you as my first QB coach, you know, a QB coach there in Arizona, I went through some tough times cause I didn't, I knew the game, but not to the level I needed to play at the NFL. And uh, there were some really rough days coming off the practice field where I, mean, I was in tears a few days and, you know, you were always there to remind me like, Hey, you know, you had a bad play to end practice, but do you remember that skinny post you threw? <laughs> you know, what about that bomb you threw to Frank Sanders? And then that other time you ran out and jumped on the special team guys because they did something good. You know, you were always there to to spin things positively. And in the, in the NFL and with media and the way this game is now with all the fans and everybody has a platform, how do you, how do you maintain that positivity and, and how was that so deeply ingrained in, in the fabric of who you are? Because it really meant a lot to me to have a coach that no matter how shitty I played or how boneheaded I, I made a throw, you always were there to try to find some silver lining to make me better. You know, I think one of the great lessons I learned from my dad and my brother, Paul does a great job. Let's pay attention to what your team is doing out there. And let's not ask those athletes to do something that they can't do. Let's worry about what you can do. So yeah, you had a great rhythm drop, Jake. So I knew that the more I could get you in rhythm, that's what we wanted to do. So I remember you entered, uh, Grant, he entered the uh, Philadelphia vet backed up on the two yard line in his first game action. And yet uh, he went into overtime and won a game. And he said, I saw 22 Z and Y go X glance halfback first. That thing opened up like a flower, and, I, and I'm like, it did. He saw the, he saw the field, and I, that gave me confidence because he was giving me legitimate information. But it all starts with let's try to meet that athlete where he is. If the athlete can't shoot a three-point shot, let's, let's not ask him to, you know, well, we haven't hit it in practice. Let's shoot it in the game. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's not do yeah. that. You know, yeah. so I, what I saw with Jake was that there was, there was this unbelievable knack to making plays and to say the right thing. And the other thing, Jake, you, you were working with a rookie center and we all went in cause it was hot in Arizona and you stayed out with that center cause he was having problems with his center quarterback exchange, the most fundamental thing in football. And later on, uh, I had an interview with Tom Coughlin. I'm thinking, Oh God, Tom Coughlin. I'm like the, the last coach that I should be interviewing with Tom Coughlin. And he wanted to know, uh, the mechanics behind getting the center quarterback exchange. And I simply said that, well, I just watch the guys, and if they're good at it, I move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was not the answer he was looking for, but we might have other things to work on. And then that's the great thing about practice: is let's work on the things we are good at, and ultimately, if we're not good enough, 
but we're getting the most out of our talent. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And sometimes you have to cut guys, you know, that's always, they say, isn't cutting guys hard. I said, yeah, but if you gave him a right chance, there was a quarterback that was with us in Arizona, Chris Grison. And I said to him halfway through training camp, Chris, there's some scenarios here. You're not going to make the team. What can we do in the next two weeks before practice, after practice in the film room, so that when we knew that the cut was coming, he knew that he had put in everything that he could. And that's how you accept defeat. Or in this case, worse than defeat, they don't even want me on the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think th- those are human things that if you connect, um, you have a lot of fun during the week. And I, that's still the greatest performance enhancing is someone believing in you. Let's identify, though, what we're really good at. And let's stay away from the things we're not so good at. Yeah. And you know what, Coach? I, I know you've coached a ton of incredible quarterbacks, you know, one being Jake and Jim Harbaugh, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, and there's a ton of them uh, outside of that. But when you when you think about mindset, do you see any similarities that you've identified amongst all these elite quarterbacks? Do you see a similarity in, the, in that mindset that they have? You know, as much as we want to say that the game is fun and that we want to make this element, th- there's something that it means more than just a superficial event. And I think that when you're all in on something and you lose, that's heartbreaking because we always want to say, you know, I, I could have, I could have done it if I just would have put a little more in there, but you've got to embrace the fact that I'm all in on this. I gave you all I got, but I think that that mindset for the great ones, I remember going to San Francisco with Alex Smith. We went down to candlestick for a fan fest, something in the off season to sell tickets he was getting booed during Pat and Go, and I'm thinking this is this is a little rough, you know. And yet, he had a great ability to become tone deaf and tune that out. And the unique thing about Alex is that he already had his money from being the first overall pick. He just wanted to get better at football, and because of that, he was really easy to work for because you could identify. Now, his his biggest uh, technical thing was that he was such a smart guy. He wanted to look to his left to see what was there and then look to his right and then look back to his left. So he looked like he has a, had his windshield wipers on. So we just had to calm down and say, you know, Alex, you know, if you make a decision to go to this guy first, then go to him. And, 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 and it was really just calming down his, you can say it's a will to win, but it's a really just an overwhelming desire to do your best and how often you invest daily. We like to use the term training. Now practice could only happen with all 11 people. But I can go out and train every day. I might work on my cardiovascular. I might work on my diet. But I think the word training is something that's really emerging because I can work on my training every day. And it seems like the good quarterbacks I've been around, like Jake, as much as he wants to be a fun-loving guy in front of his teammates, it still means something to you and you're willing to invest in a, at a deeper level than just uh, a participation trophy. Speaking of training, you know, it makes me just think of something right away. You knew what we were doing in the offseason, and I was training with Brett Fisher. We were going to the high schools to throw. I was throwing with, you know, Frank, Rob. All the guys would show up. Aeneas Williams was a guy, and I, I, I speak highly of this man who doesn't, you know, right? one of the greatest human beings to walk the earth, let alone one of the best cornerbacks to ever play it. But I can remember throwing the routes. The receivers would get tired. They'd fall out and leave. Aeneas would say, and he'd been, Aeneas would mirror them on every route. Then Aeneas would say, can you throw me some go routes? And I would say, okay, I'll throw you some go routes. Where do you want me to throw them? He said, just throw them as far as you can. He would run them down. And then my arm would get tired and I'd say, hey, Aeneas, that's all I got. As I'm packing the balls up and getting ready to leave, he's running one tens. Now this is like, 
that's yep. that's like one of the all-time greats. Can you rattle off just a couple in your mind, guys you've been around because you've coached on so many teams and seen so many great players? Who are a couple guys, either in the same status, stratosphere, or status as as Aeneas, or even greater, or just that kind of guy, like you just said, that would take every moment to make themselves better? You know, it's funny. The first names that come to mind are guys that aren't the all pro guys. For example, we had a tight end by the name of Jeff King in Carolina. Now he was athletic enough to play both basketball and football at Virginia tech, something that was pretty remarkable, but he just would take the off season and go into the visitor's locker room and set up a jugs machine because he really didn't want to be around people. And he would catch 500 balls a day from January to March. And then, uh, again, he wasn't the fastest, but he would work on his starts and his sprints. And, and so those are the guys now, after having worked with Jeff King, I go into a guy like Vernon Davis, who just retired. Now, Vernon was phenomenal athletically, and you would say to Vernon, I, because I've been exposed to a level of um, joy and just mastering a position, I can bring something to the table because I learned that from Jeff King. And so Vernon Davis will probably be the one that gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he got better because Jeff King had already been investing. And I think that that's wow. what you're valuable when you be around guys like a Tom Brady guys that have been around and they can will their team to victory. I think they've been around in the past guys that have influenced them and they're not afraid to ask for that type of commitment. And then, you know, there's just some guys have a capacity to work and they, they, they don't, you know, it's, it's amazing. I know talking to Jason Garrett, a buddy of mine, he said that that was Michael Irvin, you know, Michael Irvin could just knock on the door of, and say, Troy can't throw. I, ne- I need to get my work in. And so, you know, as much of a personality as he is, he had a unique desire to knock on the door and go grab, you know, go grab a guy. And again, they're going to a park somewhere, you know, they're like, hey, if I'm driving by that park, that guy looks pretty good. That looks a little bit like Michael Irvin. It is Michael Irvin. (laughs) What? Do you remember when when the sad, when it was sad when Corey Stringer passed away and we had to have mandatory water breaks and sit in the tent with the misters. Yeah, and yeah. you remember what Aeneas would do when we were all sitting under there having Gatorades? <laughs> he would go run around the field, do push-ups and sit-ups during that 10-minute break. And it was like, you know, those kind of guys come around once in a while, and, and, and it's refreshing to see and be around them and to think back to what made me who I was and took me to whatever level I was at was, you know, about because of guys like Aeneas that just pushed it relentlessly. You know, that was like one one athlete that I always enjoyed because I would watch him in Big Ten basketball was Irvin Magic Johnson. Uh-huh. When he went to the Lakers, there's that famous story that uh, Kareem hits a skyhook, the first of 82 regular season games. And here comes Magic, jumps into his arms. And Kareem's kind of offended by the fact that he's showing so much enthusiasm. And then <laughs> Pat Riley eventually grabbed Magic and said, Magic, that's what you need to bring to the team. This isn't work for you. This is joy. And I always thought that that was a good line that, you know, some guys, they grab their helmet and shoulder pads and they go out to practice like, like it's like, it's the last thing that they want to do in that day. And then they look back on their career and they're saying, that was the best part of my day. I don't want to sit in a meeting. You don't want to sit in a meeting and go over the install (laughs) schedule. You don't want to, you know, ice down an ankle because you're injured. You want to go out and practice. And some of those guys, and that would be the one thing that, again, going back to training, People have a capacity to work, but they enjoy the work and they see improvement being made. And if you have that type of self-starter, now those are easy kids to coach. For sure. For sure. 
you know what, Coach? This brings me back uh, in, in light of what you guys were talking about. I had Roger Craig on my show uh, about a year and a half ago or so, and he was talking about this whole mindset that he actually got from Walter Payton, and it was about the difference between a hungry athlete versus a starving athlete. Yeah. And he talks about everybody that, at least at the NFL level, everybody should be hungry. But it's it's the athletes like Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, uh, John Taylor. He, we were all starving. So we were doing everything before and after uh, practice. And he goes, the one that was the, the most starving athlete was Jerry Rice. He was saying mm. every time there were special teams, anytime there was something that was not including the wide receivers, he was over there to the side working on his craft. He was working on his footwork. He was doing like he was constantly going because he was starving to, to get better. That's a great word for it. I remember uh, the Bears had trained actually in Platteville, Wisconsin when uh, when my dad was in Platteville. And I heard this story about Walter Payton. Imagine this. He would go some practices and take out the insoles. Jake might remember the, the shoes that he was endorsed by were called Ruse. Yeah. <laughs> Short oh, for yeah. kangaroos. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Oh, Grant, you remember those? <laughs> the I zipper do. Pouch. They had yeah. a zipper pouch yeah. on the shoe. So he had a pair of Ruse and he not only took out the insoles, he took out the the board that was underneath the insoles. So he's basically running on where the staples were with the, and and they thought, Walter, you're crazy. And he said, it was a mind trick for him to to put that out of his to put it out of his mind. And so he did, you know, the famous hills, and he did the which is probably where Jerry got the hills yep, workout totally. was from Walter. But just wow. the, that he wanted to toughen his mind up just to say. You know, I put th- I put myself through the worst. Now, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. I'd never have done that myself. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but I know that he did that. And it's amazing, you know, like I said, it, that that next level between just being content and happy and being motivated and starving. Yeah, Derek Rogers did that at ASU for us when we were, before my, before my senior year that was so remarkable, we were going to run 110s before the U of A game early in the week. And we're used to taking our pads off, so we're taking our stuff off, and he's lined up, chin strap buckled, pads on. Coach says, what do you do? And he says, Coach, if you don't mind, I'm going to run in my pads and helmet. That's what we're playing in. Mid-disrobing, mid, mid we all were like, God damn it, Derek, put our stuff back on. But it, it was, he was a tone setter, and I believe, I believe so, so strongly in tone setters, whatever, whatever that may be, sometimes the tone needs to be set that it's okay to just have some fun. Uh, you'll remember my gobble gobbles on Thanksgiving. You know, I'd always go on gobble gobble at least once in practice. <laughs> I'd piss the coaches off, but everyone would laugh, you know. So tone setters don't care. They have to do what they know best to do. And I've been around a lot of them, and I felt like maybe I was, in my own regard, that's what made me who I was being a tone setter. But uh, it's you know, fun the, to talk the great, about all those guys. Well, <laughs> the great thing I remember about that is like, that's the type of a natural leader because they're like, Okay, he said we got to do it, so we got to do it. I remember one story as a tone setter that we said in the off season that Jim Harbaugh, who's who's probably uh, certifiably half crazy, but it's got a great <laughs> feel for the game of football. So uh, Jake would remember you'd have these, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices, and normally at the end of the week you would go two minute offense versus defense, one versus one. That was always kind of competitive, and and so Jim said, well, here's the thing, the Traditionally, the team that loses has to run the sprints as a form of punishment. He said, no, the team that wins has the opportunity to improve. The winners get the opportunity to run sprints. I'm like, Jim, they'll never go for that one. <laughs> but here we go to the first two minutes. The defense wins. And sure enough, 
we've got to sit there and watch. And all of the defensive players are hooting and hollering. They they ran those sprints <laughs> light and easy, oh, like there's no big deal. And the next time we came out, we were like, we got to run those sprints. And so yeah. it, it was a simple concept, like we're not running because we're punishing you. You're actually trying to improve your conditioning. Yeah. Again, that whole idea of training, it flipped out of spot. And I, to this day, I laugh whenever I see, like you said, we're running sprints. Well, they must have won. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Oh, that's lo- lovely. I love it. Well, I want to ask a question. Uh, it's more out of the pocket question. Uh-oh. Um, so, right, we're first time out of the pocket, Grant. We'll yeah. Throw it away. <laughs> throw it away, Jake. I, I beat Jake, too. another down. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, what is that one thing, uh, you know, that a quarterback could do that can get under your skin? <laughs> that's a that's a good one. First off, you know, you, you see these coaches who spend probably too many hours trying to put a game plan on a call sheet. Uh, I've always loved pulling up uh, Coach Gary Kubiak, who's a phenomenal man. He had more on that call sheet, highlighters and markers circled, that green marker that Jake has <laughs> on his thing. He could circle it. And he, he had invested so much into that call sheet. So he's looking for that call sheet as an, a, a representative, not just his work, but all those coaches works and then you call a play and the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to go. Um, or, or, or you're just loose with protecting the ball. That's some little things like that. The, the center quarterback exchange, like we talked about taking for granted something that that's, that's probably the little thing is that you're not dialed in and you're not engaged in the moment. That's always hard to do, right? Sometimes we're having a conversation, um, out on the town or, or over a beer or, or having hors d'oeuvres with somebody, and they're just not engaged in the moment. And I think that that's probably the biggest pet peeve is that you spend so much time in prep. But come on, this is the fun part. This is the good part. Let's be engaged. But it's hard. It's a long season, especially in the NFL, 16 games, preseason. You're going to have snaps. Uh, I remember coaching Jim, and he he went out there, and it was a two-minute timeout for TV. And I said, now, Jim, here's the play. Go out there and be a leader in the huddle. So he went out there and talked to the huddle and he broke the huddle and I knew he forgot the play. I knew that he had forgotten the play <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. just knew it. And so he kind of looked to his left and I think he figured out that it was a pass, not a run. And he kind of threw a scud missile at the feet of the X receiver. And I came <laughs> into the sideline and I said, you just forgot the play, didn't you? He said, yeah, don't tell anybody. I said, no, that's on me. Here's my problem. I'm going to wait till the last minute, the absolute last, and give you the play. They're going to yes. have to be leaders on their own in the huddle. So I learned something. So instead of getting mad at Jim, how can you forget an NFL game, forget the play? Jake can appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, you know. I used to do my fingers in a circle, like constantly. I get in the huddle and I do that looking back at Shanahan. I'm so pissed. Olsen would get, Olsen would get pissed. Pressman, you know, they're all. Like, and that was probably right after your, one of your greatest speeches to the line. We got these guys charged up. Don't They're ready to the go too soon. I'm going to forget it. No way. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll stay with the out of the pocket theme real quick. Real, you came to that. You came to my house way back. Uh, give me your brownie recipe. You brought you brought, like, everything. I want to hear it right now. Okay. That is so the easy. It is the easiest thing in the world. It goes wet ingredient and then a dry ingredient. So I'm from Wisconsin. So it's two sticks of butter right off the bat. Normally it's Lando Lakes <laughs> right out of there in the middle of Wisconsin. I like the salted butter. Uh, you know, hopefully that didn't give you a heart attack. So that's the wet yes. ingredient. Now the key to it is, Jake, don't 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 flash fry it and a nice calm 
melting of that butter right there. Just so it's not all. So it's right. There. And then as soon as you got that going on, the dry ingredient is two cups of brown sugar. Two cups. Of, now look at Grant. Jake's doing a good thing and writing it down. We're putting it on a wristband. I'm writing that for down right now. Okay. Now when you stir that up, because the 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 butter's melted but not hot, it's going to have a nice mixture and consistency right there. I got to go back to a wet ingredient, two eggs. I got to go back to a dry. Now that's where that brownie color comes in. All right. And then once you got that all nice and smooth, now you got to throw in um, the two eggs and then a, and then a teaspoon. A baking soda, a teaspoon of baking powder, a little more salt, and as many chips as you would, as many chocolate chips as you would like. Throw it in that oven. Now, here's the big controversy in the Crisp family. You put it in at 20 minutes, right at 350. It comes out as a nice brownie. We're from Wisconsin. We love our ice cream. You you might want to go 325 at 20 degrees or 18 minutes, and it gets it a little bit gooey. Okay, and that that and then and, and we would make. We would make two batches of brownies, the traditional way and the gooey way. And without a doubt, the gooey no. ones go much before the traditional <laughs> brownies go. So uh, that part is on that part is on you, Jake, when you pull those out. But it's got a nice aroma. And um, that, that was that, that's made with love right there for you. Made with tons love. of love, tons of love. <laughs> now I'm going to say another one because you would always ask every every after a weekend day off. You'd always ask us. So what did you guys do? Did you find any good? holes in the wall to eat anywhere like off the beaten path. So we found one out in Ahwatukee and I can't recall the name of the Italian restaurant that was just yes. so good. And I can't, I don't know if you remember, you, you have, you remember, I'm sure. Well, first off, Your I remember uh, that we would, we would get the breakfast burritos from Los Taquitos right over there yes. on Elliot. Yes. And then, and then I remember that Italian restaurant that's not coming to me, but you'll like this Jake. So even here in Denver, uh, we would have the tight ends get together. And we had a guy who was on injured reserve the whole year, Troy Fumagalli. Now, the ironic thing about Troy Fumagalli, believe it or not, Grant, he had that same birth defect that uh, Shaheem Griffin from the Seahawks have, except he's missing his index finger. So he's missing a finger, but still has good hands. Wow. So he had a sports hernia uh, problem. So we had him on injured reserve. So on Tuesdays, I'm sorry, on Mondays, after we kind of watch the game tape, grade the game tape, we're going to have a 15-minute, uh, you know, preview of what the upcoming opponent. We would make Troy stand up and, and say, Jake, you'll like this. Places to visit in Colorado on your Tuesday day off. <laughs> <laughs> so he found oh, a pizza it. place up in Leadville. And, uh, then he's, and, then, uh, and then one of our other tight ends, a guy by the name of Matt Lacoste, who signed with the Patriots, did the trip that Fum suggested to drive all the way to Mount Evans. So we got these tight ends fanning out all over all of uh, – uh, Beautiful backcountry of Colorado, all based on what Troy Fumagalli had put together, the kid That's out of awesome. Naperville, uh, uh, Illinois. So that, we, we would have, we would do things like that, Grant, and, uh, you know, brings a smile to everyone's face when you talk about that. Well, you're bringing life, you're bringing life into that bubble that we all live in, in those four walls that football, 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 if you're not thinking it, eating it, drinking it, sleeping it, doing whatever, that you're not doing it justice. But that was why. To this day, you're one of you're my favorite coach that I ever was coached by, Jeep. For your well, thank you, Jake. The way you approach the mental side of it, the physical side, you knew I was taking care of, but mentally, more than just X's and O's and how to be a quarterback and lead, to have some some levity, to have uh, a little bit of something outside of the game that you can lean on to be sane and feel normal and feel like a human. And thank you. For well, you know, you know what I also loved about too, Jake, and I appreciate that, and I love, like I said, to you, Grant. Jake's the most instinctive player I've been around. But when we needed to go to the whip, when you had the ball in your hands against 
the Chargers with the game on the line. We had a lot of close games when we went to the playoffs there in 98. Oh. And we, I think Jake got off uh, seven plays in 35 seconds to move down the field uh, against the Saints, if you remember that. And yeah. uh, he had shared, <laughs> Grant, he had shared the day before that uh, they had uh, agreed to a contract extension. I said, okay, that's great. I said, what's it worth? And he said, $16 million. I said, well, how long is it? He said, four years. I said, well, $4 million a year is about what they pay for starting quarterbacks. And you said to me, Jake, no, that's just a signing bonus. (laughs) I said, oh, what's the contract worth? He said, more like 32 over four years. I said, oh. I don't remember that. You were kind of chewing on your fingernails when you told me that, Jake. That's when it came down to it against San Diego and we needed 10 yards to get in field goal range. Mark was looking at me like, what do we do? I said, let's call Hank. That's right. Hank. We'll get the first down and we got it. <laughs> Make it easy, man. And then Chris Jackie punched it through and they're still, they're still uh, draped on the goalpost. But I always thought that when you do have to have the game on the line, we're not worn out. We're not shot. We're not, we have, we have wax left in our candle. And, uh, and like I said, we we've, we have a lot of fun along the way. And then when the game's on the line, I still think you can maximize your, your performance because you're already on the same page. And you trust each other. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You trust each other. Yeah, totally. Well, Coach, I want to say thank you for your time and, and your passion. That I was think. a half hour? That felt like five minutes. I know. <laughs> trust me, I want another hour on this. This is great, man. Well, but it's, I hope that we don't get a chance because you get a job soon, you know, because someone needs right. coached by a guy like you. But if – if the time comes, we'd love to have you back on. Of course. Well, let's just let's just stay in touch. It's been a lot of fun, fellas. The time goes quickly. And I'm coming to see you. Find a whole wall down by Lone Tree. We're gonna go eat some dinner. <laughs> there you go. That How sounds good. Go? Now, now, now we gotta go with like something like gluten-free pancakes. You know I don't care, is. man. Whatever. <laughs> Veggies and. All right. There's a place called right. Zeal. A favorite. A favorite of Christian McCaffrey and my son Keller's. We about to end there up down in Zeal. All right. Let's do it. Hey, thanks, Jeep, for coming on in and out of the pocket with Jake yeah. and Grant. It's awesome to talk to you and share your story and uh, let people know out there that there are coaches that aren't going to grind you. you know, you're nothing. There's nothing <laughs> right. left. They'll actually lift you up as they build you into the right. player and person you need to be. So thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks, Jake coach. and Grant, it was all my pleasure. Yeah.